Hi, everybody. It's your old pal, the Proop Dog. I'm down here in Australia, the land down under, doing an improv tour with Colin and Brad. But it's time again to think of women's rights in the good old United States of America. In Alabama and West Virginia, amendments passed that are going to restrict Medicaid funding um, for clinics in the United States. Uh, I'll read you something that Sharon Lewis wrote me from the Women's Health Center in West Virginia. She wrote, we're now dealing with the ban on state Medicaid funding for abortion that the state office declared effective 7.30 p.m. on November 6th when the polls closed. Never a dull moment. Yes, uh, they're restricting uh, Medicaid funding in those states, and it's imperative now that we turn to you for donations. That's how women are going to get health care. It's dire. Uh, in West Virginia. Women don't have toothbrushes. Women don't have prenatal care. Women don't have diapers. Women don't have transportation. If you want to help, you can go to womenshealthwv.org. That's womenshealthwv.org. It's the Women's Health Center of West Virginia or WV Free that helps to expose the fake clinics in West Virginia. That's wvfree.org. And we're going to repeat our episode that we did last summer with Sharon Lewis and Katie Canones from the Women's Health Center of West Virginia, where Jennifer and I interview them there on site. I hope you enjoy the episode. And uh, remember, women's health care is not just about abortion. Abortion is a part of women's health. I thank you. Located here in Lower California, Jennifer's here. Hello. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Uh, this is going to be an episode all about the Women's Health Center of West Virginia. And we Yay. had a chance to do an interview with uh, Katie Canones, who's the... Development Director. And Sharon Lewis. Who's the Executive Director. Of the Women's Health Center of West Virginia. We'll get to... Jennifer uh, and I interviewed them. Uh, we'll get to that interview in a while. We want to talk about a few other things first. This is, of course, being recorded on the Saturday uh, of the Giant Families Belong Together March, where hundreds of thousands of people across the country um, have gathered to show their support um, of the immigrants in this nation, all of which we are, except for the people who walked over the land bridge 15,000 years ago. I think everyone came over in a boat one way or another. Um, white people tend to forget that. And of course, this fascist government um, has no truck with anyone um, other than other icky old white men and um, their friends. This was a giant day uh, of support. Um, uh, let me read you something from uh, NBC News here. Uh, the protests marching under the banner Families Belong Together are hoping to push the Orange 45 administration to reunite thousands of immigrant children separated from their families after crossing into the United States. Um, we will... St uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, was uh, at the one in Washington today, and he said, we will not stand for a country separating children from their families. John Lewis said, as a nation and a people, we can do better. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep marching. Um, that's exactly how we feel here. Um, there's been a lot of flapdoodle and hoo-ha because this has been a 
pretty yucky week um, for people who have a heart and um, empathy and human feelings. Here in the United States, we've watched the Supreme Court um, stomp all over women's rights and stomp all over Muslims, stomp all over everyone who's not a conservative, awful, icky, narrow person. Um, if you think I'm being personal, I'm not, because uh, all politics are personal, and um, the gloves are off now, baby. If you think there's any room for leeway, or there's any room for discussion, or there's any room for parsing anything, um, you're Michigana. Uh, so it's exciting to see hundreds of thousands of people march, and um, I heard another person quoted today as saying, They've never seen this kind of support for immigration. You and I marched in an immigration march a year ago here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't as huge nationwide. It was much bigger here in Los Angeles. Um, now, of course, that the um, proverbial wad has hit the blow, uh, the, the rotors, um, uh, now, now I think everyone is really activated. It takes so much to get people involved, but whatever it takes, fine. Uh, We're there now. Mm. We're there now, uh, and that's how that works. Um, of course, you can go um, online to the ACLU site, and they will direct you to a million different ways you can help out people um, who are having immigration trouble. We found out this week that um, five-year-olds are being made to be, appear in court um, by themselves with no representation, uh, with simply a, a lawyer showing up. Five-year-olds who have no idea what country they're from or what's going on around them, and they only know they want to see their parents. Um, it's a terrible situation. And one that we're trying to stay on top of. But again, remember, you can't do everything all at once in one day. But you can help out a little bit and make yourself feel better and make the world feel better and influence other people. And nothing's really more important than that, um, than connecting with other people. I wanted to cover a couple of things here. Uh, Obviously, we were in West Virginia and we'll get to that and the excitement of Tudor's Biscuit World <laughs> and the Piggly Wiggly located on Bigly, which of there was a giant semantic argument about whether it was the Piggly Wiggly Bigly or it was the Piggly Wiggly on Bigly or it was the Bigly Piggly Wiggly. These are the kind of challenging uh, <laughs> semantic arguments that really fill a lot of the time uh, on, on Greg and Jennifer's world here. Um, I wanted to uh, touch on a couple of things. There was a great article in Dame Magazine this week um, called um, what does it t- take to protect, what does it cost to protect shitty media men? Um, it was written fantastically. Uh, let's see here. I don't know if you read Dame, uh, but Dame is a place you should go. Alison Hanshaw is her name. I wanted to read you a couple sentences off the top of it because this has been a real icky week for white guys. Um, you're Neil Gorsuch, you're John Roberts, and you're Clarence Thomas. Um, Clarence Thomas being a proxy. Uh, of white supremacy, um, someone who bought into it and wrote the um, uh, majority opinion in the terrible, terrible case uh, that the Supreme Court heard about the fake um, family planning clinics. In any case, Allison Hanschel wrote this. For the price of an ousted Today Show host, anchor Matt Lauer, NBC could pay the salaries for 500 TV reporters for a year. That's not a typo. 500 reporters. That's what NBC could pay for with one year of Matt Lauer's last estimated salary during the time he was locking women in his office and bending them over his desk. With the checks cut to the disgraced Charlie Rose, CBS could pay more than 50 journalists 45000 per year. Rose was earning $2.5 million prior to his ouster. He paid his interns $10 an hour to be rubbed up against and perved on. Bill O'Reilly, um, $45 million, could run an entire affiliate TV station for a year, including editors, producers, reporters, down to their fees for servicing the water coolers. Um, the point is this, of course, that 
um, white men run the media and that white men are protecting other white men in the media. And let's just cut it down even further. Men are protecting other men all the time. These three examples of icky white guys, all of whom, by the way, were violently misogynistic against Hillary Clinton in her election, um, are just an example of how far newsrooms will go and media organizations will go and how much money they'll pay out. Um, what's your point, Greg? It's not so much that they're overpaid, which they are, of course. It's that what about all the women who aren't able to do what they wanted to do because of these guys' actions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're stomping on women's dreams. Mm -hmm. They're traumatizing women. They're uh, 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 abusing them emotionally and physically and sexually and stopping the flow of women to the top in the media. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. I don't want to hear any sympathy for them. I don't care if Charlie Rose is sad and eats alone um, in a Manhattan restaurant <laughs> hoping for a comeback. I couldn't be happier that he's out of the picture. Um, there's a lot of people mentioned in this article here. Um, during the Tribune's most recent bankruptcy, thousands of people lost their jobs. Um, the outsized value of shitty men in comparison to the work of their victims isn't limited to media. Michigan State University, which I accidentally called um, the University of Michigan several episodes back, is on the hook for more than $500 million for the victims of Larry Nasser, the nightmare gymnastics doctor who sexually abused women for years, despite many of them reporting to various campus authority figures. An Olympic gymnast, in contrast, earns a bonus of ten grand to twenty-five grand every four years if she wins a medal. So that's what we're talking about here. They would rather spend $500 million to protect a monster like Neri Nasser than believe the actual heroes of the story, who uh, uh, all the young women who won gold medals and all the young women who've had to compete um, for the Olympic team. Um, I'll, I'll throw the article to you. It's at Day Magazine, and it's called What Does It Cost to Protect Shitty Media Men? And I want you to have a good long think about it. And if you're a man... I don't want you to ever come back to me with the whole, well, the Me Too thing's gone too far, and the Me Too movement's too destructive, and everyone's guilty till proven innocent, and it's trial by media and all that. Um, guess what? Men are never tried by the media. It took years to get rid of Bill O'Reilly. It took years to get rid of Roger Ailes, and only because he died did the story kind of end there. Bill Shine, who was a huge defender of him at Fox News, is moving over to the White House. So that's all you need to know about the White House house. Orange 45 is a predator. It comes from the top down. Um, it's a triggering thing for more people than you could possibly imagine. If it's not triggering for you, hooray. But understand that it's triggering for everyone else. And I mean everyone else. And you need to be an ally and have people's back. Terry Crews was let go of Expendables 4 this week, speaking of shallow show business mixed with the Me Too movement. Terry Crews was abused by men and he spoke up about it to the Senate this week. And they asked him, because he's a big uh, ex-NFL macho dude, why you didn't beat the guy up. Oh, I mean, the idea that men are supposed to have two moods. One, you belong to me and I can sexually dominate you. And two, if you are trying to sexually dominate me, I'm to kill you is um, everything that's wrong with toxic masculinity. And if you can't see that, um, we need to have a little chat, which we're going to have right now. Um, you need to see that toxic masculinity is a blight on this country and it's poison. And that every single person in this administration, um, including Betsy DeVos and Elaine Chao, suffer from it and or are party to it. And that the media is really just one long uh, toxic masculinity samba line that, or conga line that snakes around the party with them 
lampshades on their head, um, indelicately groping the people before them. Terry Crews is a hero for coming forward. He's a big, virile, masculine, married, hetero, black guy who um, is a, a star to men and women alike, is the kind of guy that guys like to pal around with because he's big and funny and has a great sense of humor. Um, I've worked with him. He's a lovely cat. Um, how brave is he to come out and say that the reason he didn't throw a punch on this producer who grabbed his crotch was his wife told him not to settle issues that way. His wife was the one who convinced him that using violence is not the answer to the question of being groped by other men. Um, that's in his case. Uh, and I think he's beautiful uh, for doing that. Uh, I, I think it's just a shame that we value men so highly and prize women um, hardly at all. Olympic hero women, women who are great writers, who are great artists, who are great actresses, who are great directors uh, in every phase of life, women who are great chefs, as we found. Um, it, no branch of human endeavor is free from male sexual harassment. And really, if the media was run by women more and the government was run by women more, there would be more focus on this and we wouldn't be having these arguments at this late date about whether the U.S. Olympic team should have been believed when they said that their doctor was abusing them. Um, many of whom went on to grand glory uh, for this nation. Speaking of devaluing women, Maxine Waters, um, the representative emeritus from California, spoke out this week and said that you need to go after people, whether they're in a gasoline line. We talked about it on the last episode in San Jose. And she really received some mild censure from um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who were trying to be polite about the whole affair. I understand it. I, I'm all for dignity and pride. Um, however, um, Orange 45 came out and said she was a low IQ person. He makes a career out of insulting black women. The widow uh, from the terrible slaughter in Africa, Frederica Wilson, uh, the other congressperson, the one who you will know is wearing the cowboy hat from Florida uh, for defending uh, uh, the widow, um, Maxine Waters, he is incessantly insulting black women. He insults their IQ. He insults their right to be uh, participate in American life. They're angry. They're out of control. They're calling for violence. And you know the real deal. He's been calling for violence since the very beginning. Um, I believe we can all recall um, when he said uh, Hillary Clinton was going to um, take away your guns. Maybe some of my Second Amendment people can deal with her. Um, and then, of course, the last week with the terrible violence at the Capitol Gazette, um, he's been calling the press um, fake news, what the Nazis called Leugen Press, which means the fake media. Um, uh, he's been asking for people to punch them. He's whipped his base into a tizzy. Um, it's been obvious what's been going on the whole time. The false equivalency, the call for violence. And then finally, when violence happens, um, no one takes responsibility. There's a demand that um, liberals be civil and that we don't raise our voice and that we don't um, call people out in public spaces. Well, all I can say is um, F that as hard <laughs> as you possibly can. Um, it's The time is now to stand up. If you see public officials you disagree with, you may disagree with them publicly. Don't feel that you can't. This isn't quite Russia yet. 
um, we are America. You saw that Mitch McConnell um, got hassled in front of his house with his wife, Elaine Chow, the Treasury Secretary, who is, by the way, up to her katupis in deals um, with the Russians, the Chinese, and many others. The reason why she took the position as Treasury Secretary was to protect uh, Mitch McConnell's right flank so that he could run interference, um, um, push Neil Gorsuch through, um, make sure he destroyed the DREAM Act and try to destroy the Affordable Care Act, as well as um, um, the, the terrible right wing. Oh, the tax cuts, which was the main thing. The, the, the tax cuts was the main thing. So when kids, and you, if you saw the video, we're taking him out this week uh, in front of his house. Um, she ran out and, um, and yelled at them. And frankly, she was a little more out of control than the protesters were. No one will tell you that, but I will, because I never lie to you. And um, he was all excited about it after the fact. Now, I agree. He's an old man. And that fronting him in front of his house is um, a, a, a shocking state of affairs. But that's where we are. Um, I, I'm not uh, suggesting at any point that you assault anyone or do anything violent ever. However, calling people out on their lies isn't assault. He's an elected public official, and he is um, the head of the Senate, and therefore one of the most powerful people in America, and frankly is in charge of the agenda, because the Orange 45 White House is um, a mass of white supremacy, um, incompetence, greed, um, graft, malfeasance, corruption, and um, they're taking orders from Russia. Whereas Mitch McConnell, I think, is doing both taking orders from Russia and running a, a larger, longer um, game on us here, uh, which he's been running for years. Uh, you may remember him during the Obama administration. He appeared from time to time as an albino cave salamander <laughs> to bunk everyone's high. So um, always uh, get black women's back. Black women have had democracies back for about 400 years now. They fed us, they taught us to cook, they brought over all the recipes, they raised everyone, black and white, and um, they tried to save democracy several times over the last few years, including the election with Hillary, and they did save democracy um, in Alabama. So um, I would have all respect for them. And uh, if you find yourself getting ready to say, well, I think Maxine Waters is mouthy, or I think uh, Frederica Wilson is mouthy, or um, who's the um, woman, you'll have to edit this part, who wants to be Speaker of the House. Barbara Lee. If, if you think Barbara Lee's being too pushy and that she's been around too long, um, you may want to check your privilege and uh, get up on the fact that um, black women are wildly underrepresented in the government. Um, as far as the Capitol Gazette shooting, um, I can't think of a more awful uh, demonstration of what um, this, this GOP death cult brings to the table. My goodness... Um, attacking a newspaper office. If this happened in another country, we'd never stop talking about it. I believe we all were up in arms over Charlie Hebdo. And Charlie Hebdo um, was a transgressive satirical paper that really did take giant pot shots at racial groups, ethnic groups, and religion. The Capital Gazette is an Annapolis paper. They're not even... They're, they, they're just doing their job. Um, it's an extraordinary tragedy. But it reminds us that we have to fight for every inch and that you also have to be careful and vigilant all the time. Again, it was a white guy who had an axe grind, who was abusive and was known to the authorities as an abusive guy. It's the same pattern over and over again. The danger is not immigrants coming from other countries. The danger is not 12-year-old black kids who are mowing the lawn. The danger is not... Um, uh, people who are barbecuing or visiting a Starbucks or, or trying to order a waffle at the Waffle House. The danger is white men with a history 
of unhinged behavior and abuse against women who publicly declare their hatred and anger. Um, there's nothing to do but move forward. Gun control is imperative. And I mean gun control. Now, this whole abolish ICE movement is a wonderful sentiment. And I think that ICE has to be reconfigured almost utterly. And if its abolishment is what it requires, then I'm for that. Um, however, there's been even Latin groups that have come out this week and said, we don't want ICE abolished because ICE encompasses a bunch of different law enforcement agencies. Mm -hmm. And the complexity of it is that there are law enforcement agencies that are doing good work to keep terrorism and other um, foreign crimes. Let's get more specific. It's not terrorism. Banking crimes, crimes of drugs, crimes of violence that foreign countries are weighing in on us. And they're under the um, aegis of ICE. They're under mm -hmm. the, uh, the blanket, umbrella. if you the umbrella. Thank you. That was the word I was searching for desperately. They're under the umbrella of ICE. And so it's only the one or two wings of ICE that are the Nazi wings that we see on telly all the time, where they're putting children in buses and they're beating on people and they're going to um, train stations and hard-assing everyone. That's the Gestapo end of ICE, and that needs it's to be... 45's policy. Yeah, which is the absolutely 45's policy. And that needs to be um, stopped right now. So um, we're extraordinarily proud of Kamala Harris and uh, Dianne Feinstein and all of those who are calling for the abolishment of ICE. And All right, let's go to the good news here. Uh, there is good news, my darlings. Um, one, that th hundreds of thousands of people are marching today. Two, uh, that you're uh, still alive and available to help uh, out uh, democracy climb back from this uh, uh, terrible deficit. In Kentucky, the Trump's administration's approval of Kentucky's strict Medicaid work requirement set to go into effect July 1st was vacated on Friday by a federal judge in D.C. and sent back to the Department of Health and Human Services for reconsideration. Um, Kentucky's Medicaid waiver, U.S. District Judge James Bozberg sided with a dozen plus low income Kentuckians who challenged the new rules and said the Trump administration acted in quote an arbitrary and capricious manner by approving them. How does arbitrary and capricious not describe everything they do? I would also add venal and horrible. Um, the secretary never adequately considered whether the Kentucky Health would in fact help H-E-A-L-T-H uh, would in fact help the state furnish medical assistance to its citizens, a central objective of Medicaid. Um, the HHS secretary's failure to acknowledge the likely coverage losses the rules would trigger, the judge wrote, gives the court little reason to think that he seriously grappled with the bottom line impact on health care. So that's been booted back to them. Um, that's a victory this week in Iowa. Iowa women have a fundamental right to abortion under the Iowa Constitution. This one can't be overstressed of how important it is because there's yeah. so many states coming up in yes. so many cases. We're going to talk about it at length here. The landmark 5-2 decision by the um, Iowa Supreme Court tossed out a 72-hour waiting period requirement. 72 oh, wow. hours, right? Legislators passed in 2017. Um, experts said the justice decision could dim the chances for a 2018 fetal heartbeat law, which would ban most abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. By the way, there is no such thing as a fetal heartbeat, and um, the six weeks is completely arbitrary. There's no medical evidence for any of this, and there's no medical evidence that making a woman wait 72 hours to get a procedure that she wants and needs and is qualified for and that she's physically able to endure um, has anything to do with her well-being. These are simply 
penalties being placed on women, um, blocking women from getting the health care that they need. Um, Planned Parenthood of the Heartland filed um, a, law, a challenge to the 72-hour waiting period, and the requirement was part of a law signed by then-Governor Branstead. There's now a woman governor in Iowa whose name escapes me, a Republican who's been a staunch opponent of abortion. The waiting period requirement had been placed on hold during the legal challenge. We conclude... The statute enacted by our legislature, while intended as a reasonable regulation, violates due process and equal protection clauses of the Iowa Constitution because its restrictions on women are not narrowly tailored to serve a compelling interest of the state. Mark Katie, Chief Justice. A terrible decision uh, went down in the Supreme Court this week. Um, crisis, pregnancy center, crisis pregnancy centers, they're called crisis pregnancy centers, but what they are is um, well-funded fake clinics. They're fake clinics. And in West Virginia, there are 26 fake clinics to one women's health clinic. And uh, this was a California case uh, where uh, the, the state of California and uh, Xavier Becerra, the attorney general here, um, really were not happy with the fact that women weren't being given any guidance as to their health care at these clinics. And so the case hinged on that. And Basically, it boiled down to they get to lie to women and tell them that um, abortions cause cancer and, and a dazzling variety of other lies and that they're not able to offer them state-aided abortion. And that's what um, Judge Thomas couldn't wait to rule on. You may remember Judge Thomas as a sexual predator mm -hmm. um, from the late 80s, early 90s. Nancy North, the president and chief executive of the Center for Reproductive Rights, there are on women's side said, we disagree with the court's decision that fake health centers have a free speech right to dress up like medical centers and deceive pregnant women. And this is the part that I thought was key. This decision leaves unanswered the question of why the anti-choice movement relies on deceptive tactics, tactics like fake health centers to pursue their aim of denying the right to end a pregnancy. Why do you think it is, Jennifer, that they use deceptive tactics? Well, they have to lie, don't they? They're anti-science. It's, it's a procedure, uh, a medical procedure like anything else, and they want to uh, make it as difficult if there's a waiting period, if someone has to drive a great distance, you're eating into their time that uh, they could lose their job. They have to uh, somehow get maybe from another state to go oh, to a clinic there's a million or, obstacles yeah it's just and i think the other uh another point is that this isn't done for any um health reason or any beneficial reason this is done to punish women yes. i can't see another it's reason for it to keep women poor right mm -hmm. it's like the immigration laws if the immigration laws were serious if they were serious about immigration laws um they wouldn't just be picking blanket groups like oh i say seven arbitrary countries um, that happen to be muslim or everyone who's brown skinned that's not being very specific and that's not um uh using any strategy or any policing whatsoever it's simply trying to punish everyone who's muslim or everyone who has brown skin and um i think that it's analogous to what they've been trying to do to women in the united states for uh, ever and ever and of course with this bloody awful ruling. Um, speaking of immigration, um, I want you to know that the Supreme Court has never been anything but a white supremacist institution. There have been some great jurists on the Supreme Court, um, not a lot lately, other than um, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, um, Justice Breyer, um, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes, who are all uh, tremendous jurists. Uh, the five conservative men on the court, including Anthony Kennedy, who's leaving, 
um, really don't have anyone's well-being in mind and have voted against humanity time and time again. The late Antonin Scalia, who you can hear screaming from the pits of brimstone as we speak, um, <laughs> was a, a real, real opponent of humanity. Um, so it shouldn't come as a surprise this week. I know it's a bummer for everyone. And yes, these are the consequences. Right about then, the Hazard Boys knew what the consequences were going to be. These are the consequences of voting for um, uh, an avowed racist Nazi. You're going to get uh, Supreme Court decisions like this, and it's going to take a long time to reverse them. Here's some of the things that the Supreme Court was for. Um, slavery, um, carrying on with slavery, not letting other states decide whether black people were human, making sure that black people were less than human, um, not giving women the right to vote, and the famous case that Sonia Sotomayor has used in her dissent against John Roberts in this terrible ruling on the Muslim ban, um, Korematsu. Fred Korematsu was 23, and he refused to go to an internment camp. He took it up, um, with the courts. It got all the way to the Supreme Court. 120,000 Japanese immigrants and Americans were detained by the federal government under Executive Order 9066. This happened during World War II. So there are people still alive who were in those camps. Uh, who's your friend, Jennifer? Paul Yamazaki. His, his father wrote a book about his experience. Now, Paul worked at City Lights um, mm -hmm. and uh, as an editor there. And uh, so this is an ancient history. Um, there's people who are alive today that were in the camps. There's people who are the children of the people who were in the camps. While his father was fighting for the U.S. and Japan, his parents were interred in a camp in Arkansas. Yeah. And, of course, there was um, uh, tens of thousands of uh, Japanese Americans who fought um, on the United States side because they were United States citizens. And, by the way, we're not talking about foreigners the whole Karamatsu case is what I'm getting at here is they looked like the enemy. And that was the entire reason. And the analogy is, and the reason why Sonia Sotomayor brought it up, the analogy is the Department of Justice ramped up this case against the Japanese and whipped in everyone into a frenzy until the Supreme Court ruled that it was legal to take away their property, they came home to nothing, and to detain them and imprison them. And we're talking about men, women, children, infants, everybody. And if you don't think it can happen again, it's happening right now. Mm -hmm. The Muslim ban and the uh, children's prisons are exactly this. Um, Kuramatsu versus the United States ruled that the internment was justified and it was never owner, ever overturned. Ford formally terminated Executive Order 966. Reagan... Um, finally gave financial redress um, after years of lobbying um, by Japanese-American uh, uh, activists. And President, uh, President Clinton awarded Karamatsu the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and they never overturned the ruling. That all changed Tuesday. The Supreme Court finally repudiated Korematsu, writing it was gravely wrong at the same time it upheld Trump's discriminatory Muslim ban. Karamatsu's daughter is alive, Karen Karamatsu, Racial profiling was wrong in 1942, and racial profiling and religious profiling is wrong in 2018, she said. Justice Sotomayor said the same dangerous logic underlying Korematsu, um, a misguided invitation to sanction a discriminate, uh, 
discriminatory policy motivated by animosity toward a disfavored group all in the name of a superficial claim of national security. Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, was angry at Justice Sotomayor for writing that. He thought it was an insult that she compared it uh, to Korematsu, but Korematsu is exactly the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you can read her dissent. Um, and you can go to the Washington Post and read the whole thing. Um, let's see here. Karen Korematsu said, the court allowed the government to quote racially profile a group because they looked like the enemy. It's not the only parallel between the Trump administration action and the incarceration of uh, people. Franklin Delano Roosevelt deemed alien enemies. Once targeted, Japanese Americans were interned for over four years. They were held in converted racetracks, fairgrounds, horse stables, and camps west of the Rocky Mountains. Does this sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Korematsu was held in a horse stall with a single light bulb, and he, Mr. Korematsu, said, "Jail was better than this." There's at least five companies making a fortune off of these current detention centers. Oh, to be sure. And they're put in rural places, uh, the children's prisons, which keeps the um, proper legal representation from getting to them. Mm -hmm. By keeping them in these weird rural places in these uh, converted buildings and Walmarts and whatnot, um, you're making the process even harder. The one way that an immigrant can have some recourse with the law is to be able to talk to counsel. And that's how they can be reunited with their children and have their case move forward. When they're stuck in a place, we're talking about, I read uh, today uh, several different women saying that they haven't seen their three-year-old or their five-year-old in five months. So not being able to speak to them, mm. it's an absolute bloody nightmare. Ari Berman, who's quite an intelligent voice on Twitter um, and a good legal mind, he wrote, to how democracy dies, a stolen Supreme Court seat, gutting unions, banning Muslims, voter suppression, gerrymandering. There was a case on that, as you recall, uh, last week. Rigging the census, criminalizing immigrants, Trump, GOP, and Supreme Court all complicit in this. There's no question of that. Are we going to lay down and die? No, we are not. We are going to get up and fight. Jennifer and I have talked to too many brave people in mm-hmm. the last, just the last two weeks, never mind the last few years, or mm-hmm. our whole lifetime, um, to lay down and die. We're not doing it. We're getting up. We're kicking ass. Um, here's who you shouldn't trust, white people. But you and Jennifer are white. All right. Trust Jennifer. <laughs> I'm a, a privileged middle-aged white guy, and I'm here to tell you that we're going to lie to you, and we're going to protect our privilege till the end of bloody time. Um, and if no other privileged white guy will tell you this, I will tell you this. If no other comedian that has a podcast will tell you this, let me be the one who tells you this. Um, Jeff Sessions has nothing good in mind for you. Neither do the Koch brothers, neither does Mark Zuckerberg, neither does Donald Trump, neither does Michael Moore. Okay? Well, uh, they have nothing good in mind for you. Privilege apparently makes people less empathetic. No, clearly. <laughs> uh, I never make a decision without checking out online reviews first. But too often, I also forget to leave good reviews for businesses that I love. 83% of happy customers are willing to leave a review, but only 23% actually do. Take control of your online reputation by giving your customers a voice, not just a handful of angry ones. Podium users see a 6% increase in revenue just from reviews. We here at the Smartest Man Vodcast wholeheartedly recommend Podium for any and all small businesses out there. Engage with your customers and get those positive reviews that you deserve. Reviews matter. The way you show up online determines who shows up at your door. Go to podium.com slash smart for 10% off your monthly subscription. Become the obvious choice online. Go to podium.com slash smart to get started and save 10%. The Smartest Man in the World podcast thanks you.
Karen Atia in the Washington Post um, quoted Martin Luther King this week. And uh, you probably read it too much if you're online, but if you're not online, maybe you haven't read it. And you may not have ever heard it at all. It's um, from Letter from the Birmingham Jail. It's a short uh, passage, and I'll read it to you, and then I'm going to read her point. Karen Atia is an African-American woman, one of the few that they let write for the major papers in the United States. I've reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who's more devoted to order than justice. In other words, sit down, Maxine, um, let uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders have dinner. Um, don't hassle people. Don't be a black voice. Don't agitate. Um, who prefers a negative piece, which is the absence of tension, to a positive piece, which is the presence of justice. Who constantly says, I agree with you with the goals that you seek, but can't agree with your methods or direct action. That's what Dr. King said. Karen Adia said, I've reached a regrettable conclusion in the era of Trump. I no longer have hope in white America. I think that's... Um, uh, absolutely fair of her to say in light of everything that's been going on, in light of how the police act, in light of how this government's been acting, and in light of how the chattering class and the media class has reacted um, to the minor inconveniences of Stephen Miller, Kirsten Nielsen, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and Mitch McConnell. The minor inconveniences of having your lavish dinner interrupted are nothing to being separated from your child, thrown in jail, or being banned from Iran. Let's be real specific about who the Muslim ban is aimed at. Iran. Um, we live in Los Angeles, Jennifer and I, and one part of Los Angeles is Westwood, which is also known colloquially here in L.A. as Tehrangelis, because we have so many Persians here. Um, L.A. is Iran. Iran is L.A. Um, it's part of the culture here. Um, everyone eats Iranian food. If you go to the west side, you know what you're getting up to there. Um, L.A. is Korea. L.A. is Mexico. L.A. Mm -hmm. is Guatemala. L.A. is El Salvador. L.A. is Russia. Um, uh, during the World Cup, it's very exciting here because we have six, seven teams playing for us. <laughs> uh, when America's not in it, we still have a bunch of teams playing for us. So I refuse to believe that Iranians are different or in any way inherently evil or in any way separate. Um, governments are governments. I detest the government of Russia beyond all measure, but it doesn't mean you hate every single Russian person that ever lived. And I detest that we're having uh, the World Cup in Russia and that we had the Olympics in Russia because I think it glorifies in a horrible 1936 way. Um, Putin uses this the way um, Orange 45 is going to use his military parade um, to bathe in his own glory, and that's not what it's about. Um, uh, but I, I think you have to separate governments from people. We're Americans, and now when we go around the world, um, let me put it this way. 30 years ago, England and America might have been seen as slightly more democratic by other countries in the world. Now when you go to Europe and you say you're from America, they're like... Well, I think it's always a fight. And if you're a, a white person that disagrees with what's going on, you can't be quiet. You can't be lazy. You have to step up. You have to do something. Absolutely. Well, speaking of that, let's jump into the um, Women's Health Center of West Virginia here. Let's talk about West Virginia a little bit okay. first. And let's talk about the biscuit situation there. <laughs> it's kind of a crisis. Uh, the, uh, aside from their opioid crisis and their heroin crisis, which are very serious and very real and um, not to be joked about, um, it, there's a, a biscuit situation that's a warning. What was the politician biscuit? We went to Tudor's Biscuit World, uh, which uh, President Obama had been to as well because it's such a famous stop in West Virginia. Um, West Virginia 
Uh, let's see. Let's look at the menu here. Um, <laughs> the Mountaineer, country ham, egg, hash browns, and cheese. That's right. Hash browns. <laughs> On a biscuit. On a biscuit. I had, what did you have? Gosh, I can't Did remember. you have the Dottie? I had the Thundering Herd. I, tr- I tried to have something as simple as possible. It's uh, not possible at Tudor's Biscuit World. Uh, no. The, the, uh, the menu is a giant billboard of biscuits, each of which is depicted with the fillings inside of them. Here, let me just grab this for one second. Yeah, what was the politician? The politician is bologna, egg, and cheese. First of all, <laughs> if you have the stomach to eat bologna, egg, and cheese in the morning with a cup of West Virginia coffee, I salute you. Uh, I had the Thundering Herd. Sausage, egg, hash browns, and cheese. And I could have the uh, cholesterol hallucination that I could feel my aorta turning it. Um, one's called Dottie. That's egg, cheese, and hash brown. One's called Duke. Bacon, egg, cheese, and hash brown. The Rocket. <laughs> steak, egg, no. cheese, and... Yes, no. and hash steak. On now, a biscuit. On a biscuit. But I don't... Come on, steak. This is West Virginia. That's a loose term there. I don't think they... And then there's Pepe, P-E-P-P-I, not Pepe, who plays for Portugal and is sadly crying today as we speak. We just watched Portugal lose. Um, That one's pepperoni and melted cheese. And I don't think anything screams breakfast. It's the cornerstone of any... You didn't get the shaved ham. No. I I think you got um, Ron... No, you didn't get a sausage, did you? No, I did not. This is some riveting, yeah, riveting podcast material we can here. Move on from well, the biscuit. Well, I'm going to. Um, Tudor's Biscuit World is inescapable because there's no way you're going to go in and out of the airport um, in Charleston without um, going to Tudor's Biscuit World. You basically you had the Tootie, yeah, which is what ham, egg, and cheese. Not just ham, Jennifer. Country ham. Country ham. <laughs> not, not that citified ham that comes in all sophisticated and makes fun of you and has a French accent and asks for the best table uh, and insists on smoking. Not that ham, but country ham. You know, the one that has a tire swing in its yard and that weird blue bucket and um, maybe does a rail afterward with some of his cousins. Um, there was a giant sign at the airport for the mining industry and it said, mining is vital to national security and that topping mountains is the safest way to mine. And uh, I was pretty excited to find that out uh, in an ad from the mining industry at the airport there. We were also shook down pretty hard by the blonde Aryan woman at the airport who really didn't want me to take my bag on that plane. And by the way, the plane was quite small indeed. Um, uh, What about what happened to our friend driving from the airport? Well, yeah, there's... All right, let's just jump right into West Virginia. It's it's a nice place. It's beautiful. Um, It's extremely poor. Um, They have... Um, there's lovely people. Um, we did the Lady Parts Justice League um, comedy show there. We went to the Women's Health Center of West Virginia there. People couldn't have been more cordial and delightful. What was the name of the soul food place we went to, Jennifer? Something Good. Something Good. If you're in Charleston, West Virginia, is it on the south side? Gosh. can't remember which side it's on. But it's called Something Good, and it's spelled S-U... M-T-H-I-N apostrophe good. what they have on the menu? No, no, y'all want you to say it. <laughs> they had... I had ribs. Jennifer had the chunky butt. Chunky butts. <laughs> it's pork butt, and it's been um, deliciously cooked down to its tenderness. Um, I believe Joyelle had deep fried chicken wings with hot, hot sauce. sauce. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty groovy. It was down home. Everybody had collards and cornbread, um, and I think that's the best part of West Virginia. That kind of thing. You can save your eating the toad frog thing for whatever. That that's an Andrew Zimmern bag I, I don't really want to eat a toad frog or a raccoon that much or a squirrel and i'm not in the, i'm not into the huckabee a la carte menu but uh, uh that part was good 
um, and the people are lovely. But there's grinding poverty, um, um, excruciating misogyny, um, mm -hmm. blinding racism, and a, 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 a horrible habitual addiction um, to a dazzling variety of powerful drugs there. There's also, and I'm not kidding about this, and I'm not trying to be diminishing in any way, a real crisis with people's dental health mm -hmm. in the state of yes. West Virginia. Yes. Um, they need more dentists. They need more toothbrushes, simply. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very serious issue because dental health, as you know, is the key to all health. If your teeth are bad, you're going to have a, a horrible variety of um, health issues. And uh, we talked to the uh, people at the Women's Health Center of West Virginia, the women at the Women's Health Center mm -hmm. of West Virginia, to be more specific. And there. the social worker told us that dental health was a big problem with the pregnant women and their children. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the Women's Health Center of West Virginia. First of all, let's give out the information, if you mm -hmm. got it there. Mm -hmm. You can one give to them. One thing I, I, I noticed in their uh, flyer that's really beautiful is that they describe themselves as a judgment-free environment that respects the dignity, confidentiality, and personal values of women. Will you give out the info there so that you can give to them if they have a website or an address? Yes. It's, uh, their website is www.whcwva.com. Uh, what was that? Women's Health Center of West Virginia, whcwva.com. They do accept donations. In Charleston. They in do. Charleston. In yes, Charleston. they have a donation uh, uh, page on their uh, website. You can donate directly to them. Now, we had a discussion with one of the women who works there on the outreach program. A lot of the women in West Virginia are simply unable to get in to town. They don't have cars. It's a, it's a, a rural state, and uh, the social worker said that uh, almost 90% of her clients do not have transportation. So she was going out to their houses, and we were surrounded by stacks of diapers, and diapers for um, young uh, babies was a, a, a crying need for them at mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. There was also boxes of toothbrushes, toothpaste, and floss, mm -hmm. because these rural women literally don't have a toothbrush to their name, a new one, or toothpaste to use. Mm -hmm. So if you give to this clinic, know that as well as um, the... Uh, prenatal services they offer, and of course, uh, abortion services, they offer a full range of women's health services. Yeah, mo most, uh, mostly they uh, provide family planning. They also, uh, you can get your annual exams there, uh, but family planning is what they do mainly. And we were told a shocking story by the social worker there of a woman who had a terrible crisis during her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. She had a heart problem. And the only person who could come and save her was the woman from the Women's Health uh, Center of West Virginia who drove out, mm -hmm. got her, and brought her in. No one else was nearby enough to her. She didn't have family or support in that mm -hmm. regard. So think about and it. And she was reluctant to ask for help. Of course. Uh, as all people are that are in that position. It's so important um, to give to places like this. If you could have met them, it's a clean, bright, beautiful environment full of dedicated, wonderful, energetic people. Mm -hmm. The only reason we didn't record the tour that we took there that Sharon Lewis conducted was that she asked that we not mm -hmm. uh, for their own, and this is the part that's going to get you right in the gut, security. Yes. So we were able to talk to Sharon and Katie um, in a conference room, but we weren't able to go out and actually get actualities and record in the rest of the clinic. And by the way, during the show, the next night, 
uh, one of the women who worked at the clinic, her car was broken into, and it uh, included the fob to get into the clinic. And Sharon was able to join us later, but had to uh, quick run and make sure that the clinic was secured. And uh, that woman lost her belongings. She hasn't been able to get anything back. Right. She lost her wallet, her purse, her money, the fob to the clinic. Uh, and it, w- it was a terrible night. And it's because um, there's a lot of desperate um, people who are on drugs in mm-hmm. West Virginia and are committing these crimes to so that they can simply live another day as well. Yeah. And um, I was written this week uh, by someone who wrote me, and you can write me at fanmailforgreg at gmail.com, about... Um, had a couple of people in their lives die of opioids and that as well as me uh, promoting uh, drug use, which of course I always talk about my own casual drug use. He said, please consider a warning as often as you advocate the use of alcohol and other drugs um, about um, the danger of opioids. Um, And it's very true. West Virginia is um, swimming in heroin right now. Yes. And uh, one drug firm shipped 20 million pain pills to a West Virginia town that whose population is 2,900, uh, the town of Williamson. And the Cardinal Health Executive George Barrett apologized, but said he didn't think it contributed to the opioid epidemic. Of course he didn't think so, because he's <laughs> profiting from it. We were also told there by um, a drug counselor that we talked to uh, when we went to Sam's Downtown Club for drinks afterward and cheese sandwiches and french fries. Um, and by the way, Sam's downtown is, I think, the only place to hang in downtown after a certain point. When's they close? Most things close at nine. Oh, is it? Is but it closes at two, I think. Two or three hours early. And you, you can get a hamburger there late at night, which we did after the show. And we were hanging with uh, Sharon there and um, a bunch of people. And this woman who worked in drug counseling in West Virginia told us that meth is, of course, still a giant issue there. But then it changed to Oxy. And then because that became too expensive, now it's really heroin. And then we were told by Sharon that the mayor of um, Charleston... Danny Jones. uh, He suspended one of their needle exchange programs because he didn't like the way it was run. So uh, a needle exchange program would be vital to the public health has been suspended. But they perceive it as an issue with the underclass, a homeless, uh, and I'm sure people of color, uh, even though it's not. Um, And they want to paint it that way um, to scare everyone. And of course, what's always important in um, places run by ghastly white men, which West Virginia really is, what were you saying that uh, the representation in the Legislature in West Virginia is at a 33-year low by women. The number of women in uh, legislature in West Virginia is at a 33-year low, yeah. Yeah. So when And they're in the bottom four for poverty, their governor is a billionaire. Uh, The governor, uh, Governor Justice, who is not um, just in any way, um, owes tons of money um, and loads of different cases across uh, the area, mostly in Kentucky. And he's not, has, uh, he has no notion of paying any of that back. He's also very cavalier about his own um, legislature, uh, refuses to speak in front of them sometimes, and calls his two chief Democratic opponents Chuck and Nancy. Get it? Chuck and Nancy. Because he's just like Orange 45. He's a callous billionaire who doesn't care about anyone. But they're, they want to characterize every um, that you should fear the poor and that you should demonize um, people who are on drugs and that you should demonize um, women. Women are murderers uh, for wanting to have um, uh, health care. Uh, in essence. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, the bill that's coming up there. Yeah, uh, Amendment 1 uh, 
is on the ballot in November, and there's a, a group called West Virginia Free, and on their website, they have a page about Amendment 1, a vote no. Outrage? No, it's beyond that. The West Virginia legislature has launched an unprecedented attack on women's rights by putting on the ballot in November Amendment 1, which bans the right to abortion in our state constitution while simultaneously opening the door to take away Medicaid funding for abortion for poor people. Absolutely ghastly. That's what they're up against this year in November, as is uh, the state of Tennessee. So um, it can't be emphasized um, enough, really, that it's all hands on deck time for women right now. Um, we've talked about on the show time and time again um, the, the, the abuse of women um, by the health system in this country. The, the West Virginia leads the country in the rate of babies born and drug dependent. In Lincoln County, it's 1 in 10. They have the highest rate of overdose from synthetic opioids and heroin. 24 people OD'd in five hours last year at one point in Charleston. Um, these are all women's issues. Um, women are the working class in the United States. Women are the lower class in the United States. Women are raising all the babies in the United States. You can go to um, the Women's Health Center of West Virginia and donate to them. You can also donate to Lady Parts Justice at LadyPartsJustice.com. They go around the country. They were in Tennessee two days ago. Uh, where Manash is at, and uh, they were in Nashville. Um, Tennessee's facing the same kind of bill. They're trying to destroy a woman's right to choose state by state by making mm-hmm. it unconstitutional in each state. Mm-hmm. And of course, the overarching concern of the next uh, justice that Orange 45 wants to nominate, who most certainly will be a woman so that they can claim um, that they're um, empowering women, will be to um, destroy the right of a woman to choose. Um, that'll be one of the giant aims. And that will be followed by dismantling, I believe, gay marriage and all equality bills. Uh, uh, so, Well, that's why it's important to vote in every election. There's a woman running, a Democrat, running for mayor in Charleston, Amy Goodwin, Amy Schuler Goodwin. And there is a chance that she'll win. You can give to her campaign as well. Um, if you go to Amy Schuler Goodwin, she's on Twitter. And... Um, and you have the opportunity to help. Um, Amy Goodwin wrote this in the Charleston Gazette Mail. Um, the old way of doing politics has seen our population shrink to below 50,000 for the first time in 100 years. Boarded at businesses. We can attest to that. We were downtown. And it's trying to make a comeback. Um, but wow. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the downtowns we've been to that are rejuvenated. Are, I mean, I was just in uh, North Carolina and, um, in Raleigh. And I've watched Raleigh go from being the sleepiest place I've ever been with a giant car park and a rental car agency in the middle of the town to being inconceivably bustling. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, Charleston's gone from having lots of people to hardly any people. Well, that's the thing in Charleston. They, their young people leave. Right. And that's what part of uh, Amy Schuler Goodwin's campaign is about, is about keeping people there. Uh, and she says here, as the next meal, I'll do everything to find solutions to the challenges um, of villainizing Anyone who dares to disagree with the powers that be is one of the problems in Charleston. That means white men. She's on Twitter at Amy S. Goodwin. So we went to the Women's Health Center of West Virginia where they perform abortions. It's the only place in the state of West Virginia. There was a place in Huntington. It shut down a couple of years ago. Um, It's a very personal issue, women's health. Um, Abortion is a personal issue. Um, it touches everyone's life. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, and it should be uh, 
destigmatized. I mean, why do I support the right to choose? I, I don't think I've never, I've never thought that you should think differently. It's it's a, a woman's health issue. It's a procedure. I don't I, I don't understand uh, the horrid misogynist anti science view. Um, when I found myself pregnant as a teen, I went to a doctor in San Francisco. He tried to discourage me from having an abortion. I was incensed. I was really shocked. Um, I found another doctor, but of course that took time. I was a teen. Uh, I lost my crappy uh, after-school job. My mother was mortified, lied to my grandparents. When I told my grandfather I'd had an abortion, he said, Oh, thank God. I thought something was wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> A couple years later, I had another abortion. I was lying in my room feeling sorry for myself. A friend came over and she said, I've had six. Let's go and get something to eat. And she just made me feel so much better. And I just, uh, you know, there was no point in uh, worrying about it. Uh, when Greg and I were first dating, we volunteered at a NARAL event with uh, the then- I know how to cheat the ladies. <laughs> San Francisco supervisor Nancy Walker. It was at a private house in a really quiet neighborhood. And when we left, we were chased to the car. And I really couldn't believe that this hateful group of people had discovered where we were and made it their life's work to chase people to their car yelling things. And this is San Francisco. Yeah. Which this is, is San Francisco. To be the liberal hub. So uh, that made me go from being pro choice to being loudly pro choice. Well, I don't think there's any other position because any other position is basically saying that you're against women. Uh, and we're not here, we're for women. So. Now, I would like to play for you our interview. Uh, Jennifer and I interviewed Katie Canones and Sharon Lewis at the um, Women's Health Center of West Virginia. Uh, hooray, hurrah. Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast, takes to the ether, uh, this time from Charleston, West Virginia, at the Women's Health Center of West Virginia. And we're here with... Sharon Lewis, Executive Director, Women's Health Center. And Katie Quinona is the development director of the center. Uh, thanks for having us here. Jennifer's here as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. Last year we were in Mississippi at the Pink House, and um, that's an utterly different situation there. Um, the Pink House is um, surrounded by antis all the time um, who are well-funded, and um, Hector, the women who are coming in, and the, the clinic escorts and whatnot. And this seems to be um, uh, a different situation entirely. As far as uh, there's no antis outside? Uh, today. 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 Well, today. we occasionally do have pickets. They seem to come from outside of the county for as far as we know, but and also people who are passing through the state from other uh, states, apparently. And so um, we don't routinely have pickets, but we do occasionally. I would also like to point out one of the ways in which we are similar to Jackson, Mississippi. Um, West Virginia is also another state that only has one remaining abortion provider, and mm -hmm. that is us. And how long have you guys been here? 42 years. Wow. And how long have you been the only one? Uh, about a year and a half. The other facility was a for-profit, which closed last year. 
So this one is a, is a non-profit. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you receive funding from Our donors. funding comes from donations, grants, and fees for services. And did the other one close because of what's going on uh, with the legislature here and the governor? Or? No, my understanding is that the provider wanted to move. He actually was uh, moving to California, so he uh, he had been in the business for a long time as well, so he, he just left. So Sharon and Katie, what kind of services do you provide here? We provide re- comprehensive reproductive health care, which includes the family planning program, which is contraception, Uh, education on birth control, STD, diagnosis and treatment. Um, We do uh, abortion services, of course, and we also do pregnancy support with what's called Right from the Start, a home visitation program that provides education and support services to pregnant women who are high-risk and Medicaid-insured, and also their infants who are high-risk. So you do, you do outreach, you go to people's homes as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. That must be very important around here. Mm-hmm. It yes, is. It's a, it's a key program, and those people really benefit in terms of the education and the support and the connections that the case manager is able to make for them. How many people do you reckon you see here? Um, annually, I would say... About uh, 3,000. Wow. And this is... Oh, sorry. Are they all from within the state, or...? The vast majority of the patients that we serve are West Virginia, but we do occasionally get patients from outside of the state, um, such as Kentucky and Ohio, um, sometimes from Virginia. Mostly for the abortion services. Um, There are actually several counties in Kentucky and Ohio that border West Virginia in which we are still the closest option for them as far as an abortion provider goes. Um, Kentucky is another state that only has one remaining abortion provider. So you're maybe the only health care a lot of these people have? Right. A lot of them come here for particularly our um, family planning patients. They come for their uh, gynecological care, and they get other ancillary services as well. We may be the only uh, medical provider that they see, and sometimes it's because of financial concerns or they're uninsured or or they just... um, focus on us as provision uh, for, for provision of their care. So they may not see even another physician in their life? Not unless when they're here, well, maybe not in, in, the, in the recent uh, term, not, maybe not for their life, but they come and um, sometimes we need to refer them for additional services. But a lot of patients see us as their primary provider of care. Do, do you feel supported by the community here? This local community seems to be very supportive, I would say. we And we are, uh, with Katie's work, trying to expand that throughout the state because uh, we have just recently, as of last year, uh, obtained her services, uh, development director, and she's done an excellent job of outreach and um, doing promotional uh, activities to uh, elevate our profile. And do you feel like you have to fight a disinformation campaign? I certainly do. I mean, obviously, 
there are a lot of antis throughout the state um, who spread misinformation and try to confuse our patients um, from even getting through our doors. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed on your drive in here that we are situated right next door to a crisis pregnancy center that is ironically called a woman's choice. Um, they purchased that building, how many years back was it? About, five, five, about years. five years ago, whenever that building became vacant, um, we're situated on a one-way street, so you have to pass by the Crisis Pregnancy Center prior to coming to our building. Um, they've certainly succeeded in you know, confusing a lot of our patients to walk through their doors. Um, we'll oftentimes essentially hold them hostage there for hours so that they miss their appointment um, and things like that. We've had to be very strategic in the way that we communicate with our patients whenever they're you know, calling, um, speaking with a phone counselor to you know, schedule their appointment, to let them know which building we are, to ignore this building, um, and different things like that. Um, we saw a billboard about fake clinics. Yes. Is um, that you're doing? No, no. that is um, another organization that's a reproductive justice advocacy organization, um, and they're called West Virginia Free. So, yeah, here in the uh, state of West Virginia, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber actual abortion providers 26 to 1. So, unfortunately, uh, the vast majority of you know, folks seeking reproductive health care are a lot more likely to come into contact with a crisis pregnancy center than they are an actual health care provider. Do you get support from the hospital here, doctors here, other doctors? Some doctors. Some of the doctors are anti-choice. And um, we actually had a lawsuit that was developed by an anti-choice physician locally and had to deal with that for a couple of years until the judge threw it out because it was just uh, a fake, contrived lawsuit. Made For a couple it, of years. Uh, yes, and it was, um, it was designed to discredit the Women's Health Center. Well, we uh, just got here, but we're aware of other health issues facing West Virginians. Uh, the opioid crisis, the, the signs for Hep A, at right. the drugstore, it would seem that getting people health care would be uh, something everyone would be behind, especially health care for mothers, young women, people in need. Well, West Virginia did do uh, expansion of Medicaid, so okay. that has helped significantly. We Before um, the recent years, we had a lot more patients coming here because we serve uh, patients who are uninsured with some of these programs that we sponsor. But then when they uh, were eligible for Medicaid under the expansion, they were able to have uh, access to other medical facilities. So some of the numbers of our uninsured uh, declined at that point. So the uh, Affordable Care Act was certainly a benefit to the uh, residents of the state. Yeah, actually more than half of the patients that we serve here at Women's Health Center are Medicaid insured. And this is something that they want to change on the ballot? Yes. Um, so actually, another point, um, West Virginia has the highest rate of Medicaid enrollment of any state in the country. 30% of West Virginians are insured and receive insurance coverage through the Medicaid program. Um, this past legislative session that wrapped up in March, um, basically legislators pushed forth um, a ballot measure that's going to be on the ballot this November um, called Amendment 1. It's also known as the No Constitutional Right to Abortion Amendment. 
Um, and what this bill would do if, you know, West Virginians vote to pass it is that it would alter our state constitution to include language that says nothing in this constitution secures or protects um, the right to abortion and or guarantees the funding of abortion. So West Virginia is one of 17 states in the country that allows state Medicaid funds to be used to cover abortion for um, folks who are insured through the Medicaid program. Basically, if this you know amendment passes the ballot, that would end. It would do away with that. Um, so yeah, that's very concerning considering the exceedingly high rate of Medicaid enrollment in our state, as well as, you know, the percentage of our patients who are insured through the Medicaid program. And are people aware of what might happen? Do you think they're up um, on this? We hope to help inform them about that. I think there is a movement to make sure that the population is informed and some polling that will take place yeah. as a result of a coalition that's been developed to address that issue. Yeah, uh, we're actually members of the Vote No on Amendment 1 coalition, um, which we helped form with a couple of other organizations um, here in West Virginia. And we're going to be engaging in some voter engagement work with our patients and their support companions who accompany them to the clinic, um, helping them register to vote if they expressed interest in doing so, um, and providing them with educational materials on Amendment 1 and the effects of it. Providing them with support companions? Do you oh, mean just their engaging in voter engagement work, voter registration work um, with our patients, as well as their support companions that they bring to the clinic, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> reading quite a lot about it in the Gazette, and uh, the uh, the governor and the legislature here seem dead set on this. I mean, doesn't it? And at the same time, um, if it passes, it'll open up a, a, a flurry, I should think, of court cases um, to challenge it. The, the, the very constitutionality of saying that the state constitution presupposes uh, Roe v. Wade um, and that it abrogates that um, doesn't seem to me to be clear cut in any way. Not being a lawyer, but playing one on TV, I, uh, <laughs> I uh, when I saw that the uh, the name of the bill, um, to me it sounded like um, the usual anti-choice concocted sort of you know we'll cut this off at the head here. Um, people, particularly um, white men, seem dead set on eliminating any sort of government assistance for abortion, as if that seems to be the root of all evil to them. Um, maybe I only perceive it that way, but I, I'd love to know what you guys think of that. I mean, you have to live with Governor Justice and these um, and this legislature here, which doesn't seem to me to be completely representative of the state of West Virginia. Well, the legislature is, has been predominantly anti-choice for mm -hmm. years, so that's not new. And as to your comment about the men who participate in anti-choice activities, I think that's generally been the trend. It's it's uh, white men who, uh, when we have pickets, that's that's typically who we have. So I think it's just an effort to repress women and to uh, eliminate their control over their bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's part of a national trend. It's not just in West Virginia, but we we see it nationally now, particularly under the current administration. And it puts an economic burden on those women. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'd like to point out that the language of this bill was taken directly from um, a bill that passed in Tennessee back in 2014. Um, so it just right. kind of shows that this is a very coordinated attack by, you know, anti-abortion legislators and politicians to essentially erode Roe v. Wade because 
a lot of what anti-choice individuals are arguing is that, well, you still have protection at the federal level with Roe v. Wade, but those are the same individuals who are, you know, doing everything in their power to ensure that Roe v. Wade is at some point overturned at the federal level. So... Well, that's their objective. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I always bring that point up is because um, uh, white men, more than anyone else, need to be um, woken from their stupor a good deal of the time. And uh, when we went to Mississippi last year, uh, Jennifer and I put out the uh, the episode from the Pink House. Um, you can't imagine the flood of white guys that uh, I heard from in emails and on my timeline going, I had no idea this was going on. It's a lack There's, of empathy. Their lack of empathy, their lack of being informed. So if I hammer on it too much, I apologize, but I'm really trying to reach um, a group of people that uh, I, I am in. Well, people and, in San Francisco <laughs> are, are surprised that the same, some of these same groups send protesters to uh, Planned Parenthood in San Francisco relentlessly. They, went, they were showed up, uh, there was a legal case to expand the clinic there, and a group showed up from somewhere no one seemed to know where they were from but they had been organized by anti-choice groups to be in San Francisco and there's plenty of fake clinics there as well yes oh, sure oh yeah it's an epidemic yeah sure. they're increasing every year across the country now I think the anti-choice groups have a national connection mm-hmm. and a network and so they can organize and send groups to different areas of the country because that's what they, they plan to do and they train to do. Mm-hmm. They disrupt, they intimidate. Yes. It's a, and, and there's the element of surprise. They, they can show up in numbers, and that's terrible. Uh, what were, were you buoyed by the, the teacher's strike here? Yes. I thought that was wonderful, but, and the teachers will continue to vote. Um, it's important not only that that we have uh, active groups like that, but also I think the general population needs to get engaged a little bit more, and, and hopefully they'll come out this November and address this amendment. It's not a coincidence that um, the majority of teachers are women. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, women seem to be leading the charge on a lot of these things, and I think if anything's giving people inspiration, it's... Uh, the teacher strikes in all the various states. Uh, the battles for uh, women's choice in uh, Kentucky, Iowa, uh, Ohio, Tennessee, uh, the, the high-profile ones that have been going down lately. Um, not to mention this week and the, the terrible um, immigration policies. The, the charge seems to be being led by, um, you know, Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris and, you know... Uh, so I, I, if I take heart in anything, it's knowing that um, well, we're last week uh, it was uh, was it Anthony Romero who at the ACLU said um, it may be their government, but it's our country, mm-hmm. and um, I, I can't help but feel that I I refuse to knuckle under and you know uh, be one of the people who are like oh it's all over you know I I feel like uh, people are fighting too hard in too many places to be that way. Well, and abortion is treated as some kind of uh, oddity or, or it, it doesn't affect that many people. I, it's my understanding that women are slightly the majority of our country. I think it's a very big health issue, not some uh, the idea that we have one clinic 
in several states is just shocking. Yeah, and the fact that one in three women will have an abortion in their lifetime before they're the age of 45, I mean, it's not... It's not an uncommon thing to happen, and it certainly, you know, there isn't just one universal abortion experience. It certainly isn't, you know, the stigmatized version that we think of where it's enshrouded in, you know, shame and sadness. I mean, it's it's healthcare. It's healthcare that people need safe access to. How do you battle that perception, you know? Because that, that's what they really like to peddle, uh, this whole no one wants abortion and things like that. And as Liz has said, uh, Liz Winstead, has said many times, there's no good abortion, no, there's no bad abortions, there's only the abortion you need. Right. Um, so how do you, how does one battle that, that um, something, horrible media perception that yeah. they keep feeding us? So something that we've been doing here at the clinic, um, we've been hosting events called Breaking Our Silence, where, you know, we organize volunteers in the community to share abortion stories that folks have submitted online, um, either anonymously or they've given their first name and last initial or something like that. Um, And, you know, we host these events where people read abortion stories. No two abortion stories are alike. Um, Some folks feel, you know, a sense of relief after they have an abortion. Some folks maybe do feel a sense of sadness. I mean, other folks feel gratitude, you know, or ambivalence or something like that. So that's just kind of our way, you know, at least within West Virginia that we've been trying to destigmatize abortion and, you know, show how necessary it is and it should be this polarizing issue. It's a healthcare procedure. Yeah, I think the people, once they understand and are educated and they get away from this religious right-wing kinds of propaganda that really uh, is uh, is really espoused by these anti-choice folks like the Crisis Pregnancy Center and folks and some of the religious right, I think once the general population, and I think the general population in West Virginia, according to polling, is not anti-abortion generally, but they do support and do not believe that the state or the government should dictate to women what they do with their bodies. So that's been established in some recent polling that's been done in the state. I think in general, uh, the polling across the country is most people are in favor of it. That's what um, is so staggering about the antis having so much sway and being able to propagandize as effectively as they do. While calling themselves pro-life. Well, that was a mistake early on. <laughs> kind of like, yeah. I mean, we, we got involved with it 30, 40 years ago, and uh, the, the first thing you learn is anti-choice. If you were pro-life, you'd be pro-health care, you'd be pro-immigration. You'd, you'd be, be pro-child. You'd be pro-child. <laughs> you'd want children to live. And you want women to be able to take care of children. Exactly. You want everyone to take exactly. care of children. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even use that terminology. We do not. We do Obviously. not use it. <laughs> They're anti-choice. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you guys a couple personal questions? Uh, Katie, what, what brought you to West Virginia? Are you from here? Um, I've lived here for the past twenty years or so. I came here as a child. My family moved mm-hmm. here from California. So. And were you doing outreach before? Uh, um, I actually prior to coming to the Women's Health Center, I've been pro-choice for as long as I can remember, but um, I was, you know, working in social work. Um, I did a lot of visitation supervision for Child Protective Services, um, so I kind of saw what the opioid crisis has done to our state and to families and things like that. And then prior to that, I worked at a food bank um, located in Huntington, West Virginia, which is about 45 minutes away from here, Um, and, you know, I did development work for them as well. So, And I kind of 
you know, since coming to the Women's Health Center, have seen the intersectionality of all of these different issues, that all of it is based very much so in reproductive justice and reproductive rights. You know, here at the Women's Health Center, we provide you, you know, we assist you with accessing the health care that you need in order to control, you know, when you want to have children, if you want to have children, how many children you want to have, things like that. And then, you know, with you know, working in social work, seeing the opioid crisis firsthand and just seeing how that, you know, has torn families apart. And then also it goes back to, you know, the most basic, you know, human function of needing to eat, need, you know, needing to fulfill hunger and things like that. And it's it's all very interconnected. So. Um, and what about you, Sharon? What brought you to this? I have worked in nonprofits uh, my entire life and worked in Head Start and with uh some of the social service programs that did things like um, delivering meals to elderly folks. And so, um, and because of my commitment to choice, when the opportunity to work at Women's Health Center was made available to me, I um, came on board here and I've been here for almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years in December. So, have you been uh, the director the whole time? Now, 20 years. Of, oh my goodness. Yeah. Started out as a social worker here in the Right From the Start program. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey. But I think that um, my um, commitment is to the fact that this organization has been committed to empowering women in all respects and, and, and seeing to it that they have access to health care. Is that what keeps you coming in every day? Yes. <laughs> yes. It, 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 we can see the impact that we have on women's lives. And it's very uh, rewarding to be able to assist them to meet whatever it is that they'd like to achieve. Do you find that more women are running for office here in West Virginia? Yes. I think so. I, yeah, yeah I think so. This, particularly this uh, session, <laughs> this year, we've had more women, I think, than we've had in prior years. Yeah. Are you guys allowed to support women uh, politically with your... No. <laughs> not, we are 501c3. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you this? For the people who are listening, and uh, they do listen, and because this is news to lots of people, mm-hmm. uh, what can they do? You're, you, you, uh, do you accept donations here? You, you take... Absolutely. We, Tell us how we can help. Well, uh, we accept donations all throughout the year. And um, we um, also have uh, Facebook and... And, um, and Twitter. Twitter yeah. access. So you can follow so us can... at Women's Health Center um, of West Virginia. That Our Twitter handle is at WHCWVA. Um, you can make a donation by visiting our website, um, which is www.whc.wva.com, um, and you can find out more information about all of the services that we provide there and all the work that we're doing. And we have uh, folks who support us and do house parties or other types of fundraising events because we, we serve women, who many of whom do not pay anything for their services, and we also uh, operate a lot of state-funded programs that don't pay the cost of care. So it, it's really important that we have support from donors and uh, patients who have a little extra to give if they want to make a donation as they're here. 
so that we can keep providing the services. Yeah, we provide care to women regardless of their ability to pay. And actually, last year, we provided nearly half of our total operating budget and discounts for services to women who needed assistance. That's amazing. Uh, would you mind giving the Twitter handle one more time? And- <laughs> At WHCWVA, as in Women's Health Center of West Virginia. Thank you. Fantastic. Do you want to add anything else? Or do you guys want to add anything? Or? No, I think I, it'll be up on all the uh, links will be on Greg's site okay. when it goes we'll out. We'll send you all that stuff. Uh, next Monday. So. Well, we're just happy to have you guys here, yes. Lady Parts Justice. Yes. We're excited Thank about it. Thank you guys so, so much for visiting yeah. our clinic. We're so excited that Liz asked us to do it because... Uh, uh, they really are the real deal, you know. They go everywhere. Yeah. We we're only able to come in one, one, you know, a little bit each year, but uh, they do. Golly, how many dates this year? A couple of weeks worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the real places, you know. Yeah. You know, people think that places like Wisconsin are safe, and mm-hmm. that, and they're not. You know, it's it's as bad a terrain as it is where people traditionally think it's bad. Uh, and I think that Liz does a tremendous service to everybody. Now, all of them do, obviously, oh, but yeah. she's the. Macha. That's great. Nothing else you guys want to add? Anything you wanted to add, Jennifer, anything? Or? No. Okay. I, I, I wanted to ask if it was okay to take a photo of you uh, and put it on Greg's website when we put it out. Is that all right? Absolutely. Sure. No, we don't want to. Intrude. Intrude. No, that's fine. Sharon and I are pretty out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it's also nice to put a face to everything, you know. Uh, yeah. So people can see. Absolutely. If you don't mind me, I'll take a picture right now. With you How's guys. my hair look? <laughs> my hair awesome. <laughs> nice and frizzy you from all the humidity. <laughs> what are you going to do? Fix this one straight. Oh, I, I'm not It's <laughs> <included. laughs> no. attention to detail is exquisite. Make it a little sexier. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. And if you don't mind getting one of me, Jennifer, yeah. everyone. Of course. I'll just snuggle in if you don't mind sharing. Sure. Yeah, not, <laughs> we're going this way this time. Okay. It's alarmingly not shy. Yeah, sadly. As nice. Bob Seeger says, I'm not good looking, but I'm not shy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So does oh, my God, my hair, Jennifer. <laughs> so seriously? <laughs> Like Pee Wee Herman's dead brother. Does, does, the, <laughs> does the fake clinic ever interact with you guys or hassle you? No, but they sometimes the pickets come and then they run in there for yeah. us when the police come. Because or. we've had picketers who have used a bullhorn, which is illegal due to the sound ordinance here. And so whenever we call the police to come and address it, then they typically just run into the crisis pregnancy center. But the police will show up for you guys. They show up, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Do you mind talking about your relationship with the local law enforcement? Are we still on? (laughs) If you want me to turn it off, I will. (laughs) Yeah. I pulled in the Nazareth. I was feeling about a half past dead. I just needed some place where I could lay my head. Can you tell me where I can find a bed? He just grinned 